the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, February the 13th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On February 13th, 1935, a jury in Flemington, New Jersey, they found Bruno Hatman guilty of first-degree murder. He had kidnapped and slayed, killed the uh, Charles A. Lindbergh Jr., the 20-month 20-month-year-old son of, of Charles and Ann Lindbergh. Hapman was later executed. Today, in 1633, Italian astronomer Galileo arrived in Rome for a trial before the Inquisition. He was accused of defending Copernican theory that the Earth revolved around the sun instead of the other way around. Galileo was found suspect of a heresy and he ended up being sentenced to a form of uh, house arrest. Today, in 1939, Justice Louis Brandeis retired from the U.S. Supreme Court. He was succeeded by William O. Douglas, who had adopted and did adopt the Northwest, Washington State, as his second home. He had a house up in the mountains. I've talked about that before. My dad and I used to go fishing up there, and I grew up in Yakima and Yakima Valley and, and in Yakima. And uh, he and I would go fishing up there. And Dad would always point out, he'd say, see, Gary, see over there? And, and I'd go, yeah, yeah. And he'd say he, he'd say that uh, William O. Douglas lives there. He said he's on the Supreme Court or something to that effect. So I grew up with that kind of that shadow. I didn't know much about Douglas, but I knew where he had a house up in the mountains there, Goose, I think it was Goose Prairie or somewhere close to that. Today in 2000, Charles Schultz's final peanut strip ran in Sunday newspapers. The day after the cartoonist died in his sleep at his California home, he was 77 years old. I mentioned yesterday, which was the day of his death, that he had passed away at age 77. Today, today in 2000, peanuts died, but he didn't really. <laughs> Peanuts lived on. Today in 2016, Justice Antonin Scalia, an influential conservative member of the U.S. Supreme Court, he was found dead at a private residence in Big Bend uh, area of West Texas. He was 79 years old. He died in his sleep. He was on a hunting trip with some friends. And no, they weren't hunting with cameras. They were hunting with guns. He was a great justice. We have some great justices on our Supreme Court now, thanks to Donald Trump. I mentioned yesterday, and it was just getting into the news as I came on the air live, as we do each morning at nine o'clock. Some of you hear this program a little bit delayed, but we are live every morning at nine on ACN. And, um, I mentioned that there had been a shooting at a at a church in, in Houston, Texas, at Lakewood Church, where Joel Osteen, he's pretty well known, and people have varying opinion, opinions about him, but he's, he's well known, 
and um, it was at the church he pastors there. It's a very large, one of the largest churches in America. It has about 45,000 people attending on a weekend, I think. But anyway, this this woman, supposedly, calls herself a man, had gone in there and tried to do a mass shooting, and a couple of policemen were on duty at the church. I mean, they were off duty as policemen, but they were on duty as working for the church for security in their off-duty times as policemen. And uh, they shot her and killed her, as they should have. They saved only God knows how many lives, because she had the intent to go in there and kill people. She took a five-year-old child. I think I said yesterday morning they weren't certain who the child was. Well, as it turns out, the child was her child, and she was actually using the child or trying to use the child as a human shield. So more has come out about that. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that this morning. I have something else I want to talk to you about. But I just want to say that I'm beginning to see this, and and I, I think we should all see it for what it is. It's a tragedy, no question about that. It could have been so much worse had these police officers not been there and uh, taken care of things, and they they shot and killed this woman before she could kill other people, uh, thankfully. But this story is not going to get a lot of uh, play in the news. And I'll tell you why. Normally it would. I mean, this is a tragedy when someone goes into a church, whether it's a big church or a little church, as far as the people and attendance and so on, when anyone goes into a church to shoot people on a Sunday, when they, knowing there are people gathered there to worship the Lord, uh, this won't get a lot of press, and I'll tell you why. I don't think it has much to do with Joel Osteen, but it has a lot to do with the person who was trying to become a mass shooter and killer. Her name is Janice Yvonne Marino, 36 years old. She was a biological female, but she went by male names. So she was a woman pretending to be a man. They call it transgender. You don't transgender. You don't change genders. You can cut your body up. You can mutilate it. You can go through all of this and spend tens of thousands of dollars in the process, and it is tens of thousands of dollars. But you're still... If you were born a man, you're still a man. And if you're born a woman, you're still a woman. You can mutilate your body, but that doesn't change the way God created you. So anyway, that's number one, because she was a, I don't know if she considered herself a transgender, but she went by men's name. She changed her name and all that kind of thing. So anyway, she was... um, she, she was, you know, had obvious intent. But because she was a transgender, quote unquote, as they say, that's not, gonna, that's not going to be a news story that the news will want to carry. So they're going to run away from that. She had Palestine or Palestine activist or something to that effect. I've heard different reports. I mean, different people are reporting different things. But the word Palestine was painted or written on her gun, on her AR-15. 
And a lot of people are saying, I've heard news people saying it said free Palestine and others say it just said Palestine, whatever. It was written on the gun. Marino isn't white. She's known to law enforcement for numerous issues. She's from El Salvador. She's an immigrant trying to shoot up a church carrying anti-Semitic materials with a free Palestine emblazoned rifle. That isn't a story that the left wants in the news media, and it, they, it won't play well. They simply will not report. They'll report a little bit on it. Every morning on this program, I go through a, a um, kind of a list I just did here this morning. I go through a list of things that happened on this date. The reason we do that is a lot of you like that. I mean, you, you mention it often in the notes that you send and so on when you support the ministry and send checks and so on. And I, I think w- we need to be grounded in the sense of knowing history a little bit. So we try to do a little bit of that every morning. We do actually about 60 seconds of that. I rarely go over 60 seconds. I know some of you will time it now, but once in a while I'll do up to 90 seconds, but we don't do a lot of that, a lot of time on that, but we do touch on those things, as I said, as we did this morning. Um, the reason we do that is is so we can be grounded and have some knowledge of the past, because that helps us to better understand where we are today and to see the future from the lens of the past. Primarily, though, we look at what's happening today through the lens of God's Word and how it lines up with God's Word. That said, there is a massive move to rewrite news as we as as it happens or simply eliminate it if it doesn't fit the narrative. And it happens day in and day out. It happens all the way from the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Los Angeles Times, all the way down to, you know, Butch's Corner somewhere out in the country of the Midwest. I mean, wherever there's a radio or a TV station, the news is being pretty much, unless it's Christian uh, station, the news is pretty much being rewritten to match the narrative that they want in the culture today. And that's where we are. And that's what's going to happen to this. Marino said she had a bomb and she left it there and so on. And uh, while some have reported on that, this is going to go away like a like a big white cloud on a hot day in the Yakima Valley. That's what's going to happen. So I mention that only to say the reason this is not going to get a lot of play is that I, I, I looked at about 10 headlines this morning, or maybe 12, and all of them had to do with something in various newspapers. I mean, they're, they're talking about it. But they're, they're not even reporting on some of the aspects of, of this woman who pretends to be a man and whatever, who's not white and not so she's not a white supremacist and so on. So the reason it's not going to have any legs is because the, the including ABC, the news media is running with this story and every one of them are, are putting this headline or the first paragraph of their story out that's saying, what a mystery. We may never know all of what brought this person to this place in their life to do such a thing or try to do such a thing. And every one of them is featuring the mystery aspect of this. There is no mystery here. She had 
family that attended the church, so she was very familiar with it. She is very rebellious, may have mental issues, and she thinks she's a, a man. She's trying to pretend she's a man. I mean, she needs help. And the news won't touch that because she isn't white. She is, can't be a white supremacist. She's, you know, pro-Palestine Palestine and all of this kind of thing. So just keep that in mind. This is one of those lessons where it is, it's pathetic, but it's true. We live in a world that is very, very complicated and very, very um it's a web of deception, very, very deceptive. Speaking of Washington State, I think many of you listen who listen to this program know where Prosser, Washington is. It's in the Yakima Valley. A suggestion at the Prosser School Board that they should open their meetings with prayer has now become a national news story resulted in student objections and threats of legal action from a national atheist organization in a nice little town in the middle of Washington State. It became national news. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. During a meeting recently, this board member, Frank Vermalm, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. I, we have a lot of listeners in the Yakima Valley and I, and in Prosser as well. And so I, I would have, if I miss, uh, you know, mispronouncing that word, it, it, I think it's Vermom is the way his last name is is pronounced. Anyway, he randomly brought up the topic of starting their meetings with a prayer after the Pledge of Allegiance. He suggested that he or a local pastor in the town could lead the prayers and cited, he said, a lot of issues that the community and the school district are facing. He said, I think prayer would be a good thing. I mean, they prayed before they wrote the Constitution, and he didn't say that, I'm saying that, but they prayed before they wrote the Constitution. They prayed when we declared war on the greatest military force on the earth at that time, and so on. But you know, evil never takes a day off. Evil is always, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> is always present, and evil is always on call. Students started to object to the prayer. <clears throat> excuse me, I have something in my, it, I did not take a last drink of coffee either this morning. Sometimes I do, and that's not a good thing, and Somebody wrote to me one time when I did that, and they said, is there some kind of a medical issue? There? No, there's not a medical issue. I just take a big gulp of coffee sometimes just before I go on the air because I like coffee. I didn't do that. I'm not doing it anymore. <clears throat> anyway, the students are objecting to prayer in the school board meetings. I just think we could use some divine intervention, Vermome said. He told his fellow board members, and the um, board members were interested. The Tri-City Herald reported, while other school board members expressed interest in discussing the issue further, the board's student representatives pushed back. I don't think that religion should be brought up in schools at all, one of them said. I don't think that should happen, said student representative Yoshimi Garcia. She described herself as an atheist. 
And she said it would be disrespectful to people who come from different religious backgrounds if you prayed. Those kinds of narcissistic comments among our youth, and there are many, they always cause me to wonder if she's aware that her anti-Christian rhetoric is also disrespectful to people like us who believe in God and the Bible. Do we not have a right to express that? If they can express their atheism, why can't we express our Christianity? Because Christianity is forbidden because it's religion and atheism is okay. It's an ideology, but it isn't really. It also is a religion. I don't have to wonder very long about it because do they understand that they're respectful to others? In their atheism? No, they don't. They don't care because they've been taught not to care. I would tend to agree, said another student representative, this Noah Dempsey. He said, I think that they should be something that's, that should be something that's excluded. I mean, I'm quoting him. I mean, there's already enough controversy when it comes to saying the Pledge of Allegiance. We're going overboard by saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Why bring more controversy, he said, into something that doesn't need it? So Christianity more and more is being marginalized by these kids that are 16, 17, 18 years old. It's being marginalized as controversy. Why bring more controversy into a situation that is already on fire? So be quiet. Don't talk about your Christianity. We don't need more problems. This incident is a snapshot of that fact in progress. We are silently but surely moving toward a time when Christianity becomes a stumbling block, becomes a a wall that stops progress for all. Well, the atheist group, the Freedom From Religion Foundation, they they also set their sights on the Prosser Washington School Board. They're saying, no prayer in Prosser. We're not going to let that happen. Annie Laurie Gaylor is the co, co-president of the it's a Wisconsin-based organization. You've heard me talk about it before because they're everywhere all the time that anybody tries to express any kind of Christian Um, expression on a public piece of soil. (laughs) They're not going to have it. She said, uh, Gaynor, Annie Laurie Gaylor, Gaylor, she said, our public schools are paid for by anybody and everybody, including those with no religion. She added that opening meetings with prayer sends a disrespectful signal towards students. Again, Is she aware that not everybody is an atheist? So we can be silent on behalf of atheists, but we can't speak on behalf of Christians. She warned that the FFRF, she and her husband's organization, Freedom From Religion Foundation, would consider a lawsuit if the school board moves forward with the prayer idea. She said, we hope that the student's perspective has caused the board to permanently reconsider its unlawful prayer ban, she said. School board members are free to pray on their own time and dime, (laughs) on their own time and dime, 
but should not misuse their civil authority to impose prayer on others. I think most people know that if someone's praying in a, in a setting, you don't have to pray. You don't even have to bow your head. You don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to go into a posture of prayer in any way. You can sit there and you can mock it if you want to. But they don't present it that way. Freedom From Religion Foundation has a history of threatening schools and school boards with lawsuits. They know that most schools cave under the pressure of the threatening letter, and they win without the cost of going to court. They win by, they have a lawyer on, on staff there, and, and it, they're highly funded. They have a lot, quite a bit of money. But they couldn't afford to prosecute or to go through the steps of all these lawsuits that they threaten. They know that for the most part, when they threaten public schools, the board will fail because the public schools don't have any money. They get a lot, but they don't have any. They spend more than they get, and they complain. They know that. And so they know that by threatening a lawsuit, it will scare off the board members who know that the bank account is, you know, zero or whatever. But sometimes... Sometimes people of faith take a stand. I don't know what they're going to do in Prosser about prayer. I'll follow it because I have a personal interest in it. But you remember that Washington State high school football coach Joe Kennedy? Everybody remembers him. He won his case with the high court in 2022. We talked about it over a period of years on this program. His battle was a seven-year legal battle. The coach was victorious when the Supreme Court justices ruled in 2022 that he had the constitutionally protected right to pray on a football field. Now, this is different. This is in a board meeting room. I understand, but it's not that different. You may not remember that at the time, it was Lori Gaylor. She claimed Kennedy's claim that he prayed alone at the 50-yard line was phony and dishonest. Those were her words. I looked it up. Let me talk to you a little bit about Lori Gaylor's husband, Dan Barker. They're in it together. Lori and her mother actually started the um, organization. It was very, very small and, and just beginning to be, you know, become what it is. When Dan Barker married her, left his other wife and married her, and uh, together they're considered the co-founders and they're the co-presidents of the organization. But actually, Lori and her mother actually started the organization. But let me talk to you a little bit about the husband, Dan Barker. Dan became a teenage evangelist. This is the co-president of the atheist Freedom from Religion Foundation. Dan became a teenage evangelist when he was 15 years old. At 16, he was choir librarian for faith healer Catherine Kuhlman's Los Angeles appearances. He received a degree in religion from Azusa Pacific University. He was ordained to the ministry by the Standard Community Church in California in 1975. He served as associate pastor in three California churches, Arcadia Friends Church, that's a Quaker church, Glen Grove Assembly of God in Hacienda Heights, and Standard Christian Center 
It's an independent church loosely affiliated with the Christian church, Disciples of Christ tradition in Standard, California. Dan was a Protestant missionary in Mexico for two years. Dan preached for 19 years. He maintained an ongoing touring musical ministry, including eight years of full-time cross-country evangelism. An accomplished pianist, a record producer, an arranger, and a songwriter. He worked with Christian music companies such as, back in the day, Mana Music. Some of you will remember Mana. They kind of owned the music, Christian music industry there for a while. They, they had a, a great impact. Word Music. Dan was involved with them. He wrote and produced the annual Mini Musical for Gospel Light Publications for their Vacation Bible School curriculum for a few years. Some of you may have seen his name on some of his work. He was extremely um, talented. Still is. For more than two decades, Dan was the accompanist, the arranger, the record producer for this Manuel Bonilla. He's a uh, he was, a, at that time, a leading Christian singer in the Spanish-speaking world. He accompanied on the piano with Christian personalities like Pat Boone, Jimmy Roberts with the Lawrence Welk Show, who was a Christian. I met him a number of times in the past, long time ago. Gospel songwriter Audrey Meyer. Audrey was a very, very close friend to Marjorie and me. We spent a lot of time with her. Great songwriter, his name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Well, Dan did a lot of work for her. He was a regular guest on the Southern California Praise the Lord TV show. One of Dan's Christian songs, There Is One, was performed a number of times by Reverend Robert Schuler's television choir at the Hour of Power broadcast. To this day, he receives royalties from his popular Christian's uh, children's Christian musicals. He wrote two of them that were enormously successful. Mary Had a Little Lamb. You can imagine the story, the biblical story behind that. It was a, an excellent piece of work. And he wrote one that's titled His Fleece Was White as Snow. Both published by Man of Music, performed all over the world. It was translated into I don't know how many languages. According to his biography, Dan gradually outgrew his religious beliefs after five years of reading. He said, if I had limited myself to Christian authors, I'd still be a Christian today. He said, I lost faith in faith. He said, he announced his atheism publicly in January of 1984. He tells his story in the books, Losing Faith in Faith and Godless. During my years of ministry in Los Angeles, I crossed paths with Dan in citywide events all the time. I knew who he was. I, he wasn't a friend of mine, but he could have been. But he was very involved. All of the outreaches that we did as a number of churches in Los Angeles would come together for big events. He was always involved in it. He is indeed an outstanding musician. But now he and his wife are fighting against the very God that he once served or claimed to serve. Prosser School District Superintendent Kim Casey offered a brief response, said, we're in receipt of your letter. We've not taken any action in this matter. The spiritual war rages on. But remember this. Take this with you today. Greater is he that is in you than he 
that is in the world. We're very likely going to be seeing more of this, not less of this. Thanks for being with me today. Always a pleasure. Thank you for your support. We'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.